0: Sounds like
1: a spaceship. Looks like it should be Intron. Welcome to Third Angle. Today we get our hands on luxury electric motorbike, the Vector. I'm your host, Paul Hames from Industrial Software Company PTC. In this podcast, we share the moments where digital transforms physical and meet the brilliant minds behind some of the most innovative products around the world, each powered by PTC technology. Streamlined, efficient, euphoric. ARC is a UK based team that's reimagining the future of adventure, creating high end, luxury electric motorbikes supported by PTC partner, Root Solutions, part of the PDS Vision Group. ARC's first product, the Vector, is an elite motorbike that pushes the boundaries of our imagination. As a brand new project, it has no legacy to follow, so the team has had real creative freedom going back to square one to design something truly unique. Just as every customer is different, every Vector will be unique as well. To find out how these bespoke machines are being crafted, our producer Hannah Dean, visited Arx HQ in Coventry to meet the company's founder, Mark Truman.
0: It's taken over my life for the last five years to be honest with you, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I've got a very long-suffering and very patient wife. Are. Are this is the design office. This is where sort of, you know, most of the the magic happens, I guess, in terms of the guys working on the bike and some of the other projects also that we're working on. We're obviously based on a manor house, effectively, and, you know, this is an old barn that I presume was kind of like, you know, the old staples or, you know, something along those lines. Um, the building was built in, I think, 1647. And, yeah, I mean, in terms of character, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, we love all of the beams and sort of the way it looks. It's, it's great. So I'm Mark Truman. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of, of ARC. I've been running the business now since 2017, when we spun it out of Jaguar Land Rover. The project was actually started within the Jaguar Land Rover walls as a sort of secret project. So we would be involved in two types of work stream. One, something the company would ask us to do specifically. So for instance, you know, designing the James Bond cars for Spectre. And uh, we were the first people ever really to land drones on moving vehicles in a meaningful way for a search and rescue vehicle for the Red Cross. And then we would also basically do sort of what what we consider the sort of true skunk works type work, which is we're working on it. No one really knows we're working on it. And we had a show that we had to do every year. And uh, over the 12 months, we designed and built an electric motorcycle that no one knew anything about and then when we got to the show we rode it out into the show to all of the board of directors and that's basically how the business started. So, you know, this is where the bikes will be built. You know, obviously each bike is sort of hand-built bespoke for the customer. You'll see the commissioning suite in a moment, sort of colors, materials. You'll notice differences between this one, which has got a sort of traditional carbon fiber weave top and also on the side there on the monocoque. So pretty much everything you're looking at is carbon fiber. Yeah, so you can see the bikes up on the stand now. You know, they're putting the the integrated motor onto it now. Yeah, so the the build begins. I love this bit. This is like really, you know, this is what you do it all for. This is like the most exciting bit, you know. But apart from riding them, of course, but you know, to actually see them sort of going into production is, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm just about to start up the Vector now and what you'll hear is us taking it through its startup process. Spaceship, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just had the guy from Wired Magazine ride, it? and he, he just got off of it and went, Sounds like a spaceship, looks like it should be Intron. Because it was going to be a Jaguar product, uh, there was a certain amount of Jaguar design language that we had to put into it, which isn't the way that personally I probably would have gone. You know, much more sort of flowing lines, that kind of sort of elegant sort of spaceship feel, I, I guess whereas I much prefer from a design perspective that sort of angular stealth bomber Lamborghini kind of design language you know lots of sharp edges sharp lines and the spin out from Jaguar Land Rover allowed us to move back into you know that direction. I mean the main USP of the bike is that there is no frame there is no chassis you know that you know, is what really stands this motorcycle apart from anything else. You'd have seen, you know, the other motorcycle that we had in the workshop, you know, that's an electric bike. It weighs considerably more than ours, even though ours has got more battery in it. And the reason that is, is because, you know, someone somewhere when they built that bike said, right, we're going to build an electric bike. Well, we start off with a frame and then we're going to put a battery in it. And we said, well, do you need the frame? Because the frame was only really to join up some hard points and to hold an engine and now we don't have an engine so they've started with a frame they've put a battery in it because all of that doesn't look that pretty they are then got to put lots of covers on it and they end up with something which is actually really big quite cumbersome and also really heavy you know we said what about if we just make beautiful batteries and you know that is the frame you know if you think about motorcycle you know the custom motorcycle scene it's not about covering things up it's about being able to see the engineering And we said, right, well, what about if we can do that with batteries? And one day, you know, kids are going, have you seen that battery over there? You know, wouldn't that be lovely? The one attribute that we wanted this bike to have was agility. It's an EV, so it's, you know, only slightly heavier than a a petrol counterpart. And we did as much as we could to keep the weight down, which is why everything on the bike is, you know, carbon fibre. But as a motorcyclist, it's not the moment when you're going 160, 170 miles an hour that you really enjoy. You know, that's nice for a second. It's the bit where you're going around some really twisty bends, you know, and the sun is out and there aren't many cars around. And you can, you know, really sort of flick the bike from side to side and feel confident in it and it's that moment that this bike was designed around which is why we don't have telescopic forks on the front of the bike and we've got hub center steering uh, which means that the bike is incredibly nimble incredibly agile can easily be flicked from side to side without you know much input from the rider and we've absolutely nailed it i mean we've had now riders uh, ex-moto gp riders which is kind of like the formula one of motorcycles we've had numerous motorcycle journalists as well riding the bike And they all say the same thing, which is in that moment where you're changing direction, it changes direction like nothing else that they've ever written. Our job is to build the most coveted motorcycle brand in the world. You know, I remember being a kid and having pictures of certain motorcycles and certain cars, you know, as posters on my wall. I still want every one of those now you know what we wanted to do here was to create something that it's not going to be a poster anymore it's going to be a screensaver or something right but you know that a kid has got on his screensaver because that provides the longevity of the brand because those guys and girls grow up you know aspirationally wanting you know your product in terms of inspiration specifically for the bike we had two really one was we wanted it to be you know have a sort of cafe racer feel and the other one was We were looking for certain items to take inspiration from, and we really focused in on uh, electric violins because one, they're they're such beautiful things generally, and we really just loved the sort of mix of art and technology. Everything that is needed to perform the art is, you know, still there, but everything that is kind of surplus to requirements now in a new electronic world has been sort of taken away, and that was very much the inspiration for the bike. And you know why there are holes in parts of the bike where normally there wouldn't be on a on a petrol version. And actually, our supersport bike, which is the next bike that we're going to start to work on, has even got more of an inspiration, you know, from those products. This is the commissioning suite, so this is where we take customers to to spec their motorcycles. You know, what colour and materials they could have, etc. And yeah, let's go and have a look, and you'll you'll soon get a flavour for what it's like. It's also a bit of a taste of the unexpected, I think, right? You know, this is the area where we're going to try and make their dreams come to life and we need them to input, you know, into that and get them to open up. It's really funny though, you get a real mix. Some people come, they know exactly what they want, right through to people that come, they haven't got a clue what they want. We get calls from people like, you know, maybe, uh, I've had a couple from young crypto millionaires, you know, that are sort of like 16, 17 years old, have enough money to be able to buy one of these things you know they'll sort of say to me on the phone "Oh, do you think it's okay having one of these as my first bike And I'll say absolutely not <laughs> you know buy something cheap that you can afford to fall off of a few times because it will happen uh, you know and then come back and see us but you know people just really want to buy into it and that's one of the reasons we started this brand was you know motorcycle numbers are dropping you know in the Western world and people are getting, they're more interested in technology and connectivity and you know, all of those aspects. So we wanted to create a product, we sort of say, for the PlayStation generation, you know, something where there's a huge amount of connectivity to kind of try and draw some of those people back into, you know, our motorcycling space. One of the things you know that we're doing is we're not just developing a motorcycle. Um, we're actually developing a head-up display helmet and a haptic jacket as well. So a haptic jacket that will give a rider a tap on the shoulder, for instance, when their sat-nav wants them to turn left, trying to stop them having to keep looking down at you know their screen, which for a motorcyclist is more of a dangerous and time-consuming thing just because of the angles involved than someone that's driving a car and it's almost kind of in the eye line so we've just started something that we call the ae program we've just launched this this is 10 customers 10 limited edition bikes that will have sort of details on them that won't be replicated ever again anywhere else those customers are going to help us with the creation and the development of the head-up display helmet and the haptic jacket so it's a two and a half year program they'll receive their bike they'll then be involved in um, track days so they can test the system in a closed circuit environment when we then believe the system is ready they'll receive a beta version of it for them to again try on the road and to provide additional feedback into the system how does it perform in a real world environment and then when the system is completely signed off for production those customers will receive the system free of charge They'll kind of have their name on it as well somewhere as if to say, you know, I've helped design this and I'm going to help save lives. And then it will become an optional extra on our other products. Initially, when we first thought about the system, to be honest with you, we didn't start off about about saving lives. It started out about feedback from the motorcycle so one sort of negative if you like or or something that is lost with electric motorcycles and and cars in fact is that you know you've lost a lot of those physical cues that tell you things like how fast am I braking how quickly am I decelerating here so when we first benchmarked a load of electric bikes when we very first started this project we'd be riding along you know we'd got some couple of motorcycles which we borrowed we'd get to a corner and we'd either find we were going dangerously too quick when we got there or we were going so slow it was almost like driving this daisy you know around the corner and we couldn't understand why we couldn't judge it correctly and we started to realize it's because you know on a petrol bike you've got gears you know you've got engine braking you've got vibrations you've got noises you know on one of these you've got one gear very little noise, no vibration, pretty much zero engine braking. So you kind of come in there silently and it's very difficult at first to understand how much speed you've scrubbed off and to get it just right. And so we thought about how do we start to give a rider some feedback. And so we, we started playing with haptics. So in sports mode, imagine a jacket that is full of phones on vibrate. You know, you've got them in pockets everywhere and the harder I brake or the harder I accelerate or the tighter I'm turning the more those phones are on vibrate so much so that if I'm braking really hard and the bike knows that you're close to locking the front wheel which is probably the worst thing you can do on a motorcycle your jacket will be going crazy and you'll be going okay I'm on I'm on the limit here so that's how the system started it was a really interesting process um, looking at different haptics and I remember explaining it to my boss and him thinking I was absolutely crazy, I think, at the time. I'd just been through some haptic experience where you know, I was in virtual reality as well and I ended up sort of in a lake and a train came across the lake and hit me and burst into lots of birds which turned into ribbons which created a tunnel and I went through the tunnel and I ended up in a womb with a baby. And I remember telling him that exact story and him kind of looking at me and just say you know, I'm paying you too much and you're maybe taking something you shouldn't be and, you know, sort of talking him into allowing us to continue to to look at this and it was really interesting we found that playing music through the haptics actually gave you the same uh, emotional response as if you were listening to it because things were happening and all of a sudden you'd have like hair standing up on the back of your neck and, and then we started to realise we could do more with the system so now the system's got three modes it's got sports mode we started to realise that it could be used as a safety thing, you know, sort of taps on the shoulder, blind spot monitoring. It's got the same system as your car might have where a light comes up in your wing mirror to say there's a car overtaking you or behind you. But instead of a light coming up, you'll get a tap at the back of your, on the bottom of your spine, on the side that the car is approaching. That tap will get further up your back the closer the car gets and the speed that it will go up your back will obviously give you an idea of the closing speed of the car. So this is all about allowing the rider to keep focused on On what they're doing and then we created this third mode which we learned by accident which we call euphoric mode which is basically designed to make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up based on this these experiences that we had and so you can download five tracks of your sort of all-time favorite feel good tracks onto the bike and when the system's completed and finalized if you're having one of those wonderful twisty road sunny day moments or you think you're Valentino Rossi, you can press the button and it'll essentially play that music through your jacket and just about giving you sort of, you know, one minute of a sort of an amazing feeling.
1: That was Mark Truman, CEO and founder of ARC. Now, as we've heard, the ARC Vector is the world's first fully electric Neo Cafe racer built to offer a futuristic vehicle whilst retaining some retro flourishes. That can only be achieved by using first-class design tools like PTC's 3D computer-aided design software, Creo. Let's find out more and it's time to meet our expert, Brian Thompson, who heads up PTC's CAD division. So Brian, can you tell us a little bit about how Creo works and helps them achieve that end goal?
2: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So Creo is PTC's flagship 3D CAD product and it's you know it's got the ability to help design engineers conceptualize and develop their designs in a digital world in 3 dimensions a full can imagine a full 3D model that looks like a clay model but is only represented digitally in the screen. Whatever manufacturing process the design engineer is looking for, they can build 3D models that are intended for those processes directly inside Creo, make sure they work out all of the potential issues that might come up with manufacturing those designs or even check if the designs will meet certain you know structural or thermal requirements using simulation technologies with the benefit of it all being in digital because if you're going to make a mistake that's the place to make it you don't want to make a mistake with part you have to manufacture that is the power of what what 3D CAD can do but you know the design technology has evolved over time you know most engineers today still use many, many years of experience and intuition and instinct and knowledge about manufacturing processes that they know well, and they will design their parts thinking about those things from the beginning. And sometimes their own personal experiences can can make them not think uh, maybe as broadly as, as they could about certain design aspects of the parts they're working on. And you can imagine a company like Arc having very, very tight requirements, right? I mean, they're developing an electric bike here. So new technologies are emerging into the marketplace. We actually have them integrated into Creo. Their so-called generative technologies use artificial intelligence to actually, instead of forcing the design engineer to worry about creating geometry from the beginning, what generative technologies do is they say, why don't you give me the space in which you want your part or assembly to exist and give me the engineering requirements Of that design like what are the structural loads the design has to has to carry the forces that it must carry what are the thermal requirements of the design what kind of natural frequencies which could be really important for a bike by the way what kind of natural frequencies do you want to avoid with the design you put all that into a blender and the AI technology will create geometry for the design engineer to consider as a potential solution to that design problem so now We've got 30 years of experience in helping design engineers build really good geometries for manufacturing processes. And now for the last several years, we've been layering in new technologies like generative that actually work side by side with the engineer and give the engineer some really cool, innovative ideas on how to accomplish certain design tasks that maybe the engineer would not think of. So we're really on a great journey here. and really excited to see ARC using all these technologies in CREO. Now,
1: I want to just turn to the notion of collaboration because... You know, a, a product like Vector is not the work of one man, it's the work of a number of people plus a supply chain. Now, within Creo, are are certainly using the collaboration tools in Creo to foster that degree of sort of data sharing. Can you talk a little bit about the tools available to them and how that works?
2: A product like a motorcycle has a combination of different types of parts that are naturally going to be designed by different types of people. You know, you're not going to have the same design engineer that designs the suspension of the motorcycle as the design engineer that designs all the cowlings for the motorcycle that help it slip through the air as efficiently as possible. Those are generally two different types of design profiles, right? But what you really want is you really want them working on a singular design and you want to make sure you can share the different interfaces between the different parts of the design amongst the entire team so that different members of the design teams understand hey i'm working within these boundaries i have these interfaces that i have to attach to and as long as i stay in this area i can work and and oftentimes in those kind of scenarios in creo we call it, we call it a top down design methodology where you have an overriding architecture of the design that's established in CREO. And then you share out these interfaces to the various design engineers that are contributing to the design. And this uh, top-down design methodology keeps control over how all those interfaces are related to one another and how, how all the underlying designs, you know, suspension, battery case, seat, cowlings for the shape of the bike, how all of that uh, marries together into one solid architecture. It's, it's uh, something that we're actually really well known for in the industry that we've developed over many, many years. And it's excited to see a new customer like Arc taking advantage of the, of frankly, the decades of experience we have in helping customers work this way.
1: Yeah, perfect. And again, they're creating a simply fantastic looking product yeah, as well. Super so, cool uh, looking, it. it really
2: is. They've done a nice job.
1: Thanks to Brian and to Mark for showing us around Arc's headquarters. Please rate, review and subscribe to our bi-weekly Third Angle episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow PTC on LinkedIn and Twitter for future episodes. This is an 1860 production for PTC. Executive producer is Jackie Cook. Sound design and editing by Oli Guiou. Location recording by Hannah Dean and music by Rowan Bishop.